Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to this month's episode of the Party Planning Committee podcast. This is Chris speaking, and I'm here with Zoe and Sam, our producer, Reed. And on the phone, we have Matei speaking to us from a uh, parking lot right now. Um, Hello. So, <laughs> for, uh, for the first time in, in many months, we're actually going to be having an episode with a special guest today. So that, that interview will, be, will come after the roundtable that we're about to do. And uh, really looking forward to that. It's going to be an excellent discussion that we have. But uh, for today, to get things started, we are going to, amongst ourselves, discuss the state of the labor movement today and what specifically that means as it relates to building a mass socialist party. So with that, uh, Matei, uh, you kind of uh, prompted us to go down this route with the, with the labor discussion. Uh, what, what thoughts do you I have did. right now? And actually, you, uh, you are in a, a union job right now. Is that correct? I was. Up until recently, I was a teamster. And so um, I had gotten a job a few months ago at UPS, partly because I was seriously broke and partly because I wanted to get a job that also kind of helped feed into the organizing work that I was doing. So uh, UPS is like one of those companies that is perpetually hiring. So I went ahead and I got a job there, hoping that I would develop some connections with people uh, get talking with them and um, be able to have some discussions, particularly about our union, about the Teamsters, and how uh, how that how we how that played into our workday and the conditions we dealt with and uh, our pay, our health care, because we had a a healthcare subsidiary sort of thing going on through the Teamsters. So I wanted to get people kind of like talking about some various different things while also kind of nudging them in a socialist party direction. It turned out that I got super burned out by the job. I was working like three in the morning to eight in the morning. And there are those who are socialist organizers who do that. And I have like this ridiculous amount of respect for them now that, uh, will be hard to uh to reach for anybody else who's not like trying to bring people into the movement while also loading trucks in the dead of night so i um i wanted to try to get some relationships going with people who were literally working class who also were not terribly political yet were um intrinsically connected to a labor movement by their participation in a union and I was particularly kind of spurred in that direction by the fact that I had seen more strikes and like more labor unrest in general this year than in any other period in my life. So I wanted to try to tap into that. The The nature of the beast kind of uh, burned me out a bit and I ended up kind of, I ended up quitting that job, but I do still talk to some people from there and I do try to keep those connections going in the hopes that I can parlay that into some kind of organizational value. But um, one of the things that really got me thinking about that job was the fact that so many different unions, so many different fields of labor have really started to kind of shake their dust off and not only just go on strike, but like teachers going on strike, like public sector people who aren't even legally protected to do that going on strike, uh, um, utilities workers in Massachusetts, um, 
a, any number of people who have been, um, for the last while, kind of just collecting dust and are now actually starting to part to take part in a movement of making demands and of trying to make economic gains, and even some political ones. So um, I was thinking about how that could be, how, how that relates to the building of a mass socialist party, like a hundred years removed from that period where labor movements were truly radical. And uh, my experience is that we have a wakened up labor movement that does not really have any socialist guidance behind it. So I'm often worried about what kind of direction it might lend itself to in the future. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Now, what what do we think about the fact, because I was actually honestly a little startled to learn just the other day that there were more workers striking in 2018 than any year since like 1986 or something ridiculous like that. And, you know, regardless of any skepticism I may have about like the state of like the union bureaucracies themselves or whatever, that, that seems like a remarkable fact. Like what, what is, what is up with that? Why, why is that happening? I don't know if there's a, uh, a clear cut answer. I think, Unions have a lot of very upfront benefits in terms of their health care and in terms of just the fact that they tend to have higher wages starting off. Like when I started speaking with people at UPS, like people in my orientation or something, most of them gravitated towards getting health care or something having to do with like the benefits surrounding the union. They weren't that interested in union politics. They weren't political themselves. But the thing motivating them towards that work and towards union involvement had a lot to do with what those uni- unions were capable of providing. And like, but like, do you think that like in the last few decades, are, are we reaching a point where at least the organized sector of labor feels that it has been pushed too far and is pushing back? Or is this a, a smaller correction? Um, I would I wouldn't really chalk it up to organized labor because like a lot of the strikes are workers going ahead of their leadership like no no they are wildcat no i understand that like the teacher strikes in particular are remarkable for that reason but these are organized workers though i mean yeah yeah, the strikes were wildcat but these are union members so when it comes to like the teamsters and stuff a lot of them really didn't have an eye on strike like i might even just even as a joke say like yeah we should strike over this that or the other thing but like they were really just like not in a position where they felt like things had gotten to the point where a strike was the only way of addressing them. So there's that. But like, there is a very real understanding among people that, um, um, yeah, shit. I don't entirely know where I was going with that one, but, um, I don't think there's the impression that people that organized workers feel like they've been, pushed very far like i think i think there's a ways to go before they feel like they're at a breaking point um to kind of answer your question chris i think that it's hard to tell at this juncture um you know when we think about like the teacher strikes in um in west virginia and in um uh los angeles um a lot of those problems that they are bringing forward as demands are kind of perennial to their uh their professions um those aren't necessarily new um yeah i definitely definitely and uh the political atmosphere right now is very much centered on um how one relates to our president donald trump 
Um, and the like diagnosis is probably going to come after that crisis um, resolves itself one way or another. Um, I fear that a lot of this um, political mobilization, um, though coming from a point where the trade unions are demanding these new things, um, is uh, buttressed by the political crisis that we're experiencing right now. Um, and if that uh, either resolves in um, a sense of like complete defeat um, or in you know a new democratic presidency that the labor unrest we're seeing um, might lose its support from all angles um, because there's been a ton of media attention on this stuff and that is not always the case um, for labor strikes um, and there's a lot of uh, forces that want to um, demonstrate themselves as an alternative to the current like zeitgeist of politics um so it's going to just be hard to tell right now um whether this is something new or it's uh that will be long lasting or whether it's just kind of a a blip in you know an uptick that will then just go down yeah that's yeah that's kind of exactly what i wonder so are you are you thinking that there's media attention on some of these, especially the teacher strikes where they've, act, you know, actively said like, oh, we're inspired by the gains that these people got. So we're going to try it, too. Are you thinking it's like media attention kind of causes the ripple effect and it's not necessarily that everyone's all just at a breaking point? It's just hard for me to believe that all of a sudden that this, uh, like I said, that these demands, a lot of times it's like one specific moment kind of like creates it, like one bill or um, one policy change. Um, but uh, like nothing's monocausal, right? So uh, the political atmosphere, um, whether it's like media attention, whether it's um, the different progressive coalitions that are um, sort of galvanizing as uh, like in defending themselves against Trump and trying to advance a different uh, um, kind of politics in their view. Um, it's like hard for me to imagine that without that political atmosphere, that these kinds of like inspirational moments that have kind of taken uh, um caught fire um will continue um in the you know in the next five or six years um and actually to kind of like bring it closer to the heart of like the podcast i'm curious what you guys think about like how the like how socialists should relate to this and this is still kind of an abstract question because we don't have a ton of socialists that are relating to labor um at best they're tailing it um and but, that's precisely like the cornerstone of my issue with all of this. Right. And so, you know, what how should like a socialist party relate to labor? Um what is the relationship between the party and organized labor? Um for me at least it's a question of um trade unions are uh like they precede socialist politics. Um they are the natural tendency for workers who um they see themselves as being able to organize um politically um and economically to defend what's their right which is their uh ability to sell their labor um just as a capitalist can you know can manage their private property um and socialists have traditionally intervened to the extent that they do in trade unions as a way to um, advance workers' interests, but also to um, show workers that the political question 
is um, uh, paramount, right? So that it is not just enough to strike and get higher wages. Um, you are reproducing capitalism in this way, right? Um, workers have a stake in capitalism in that sense. Um, but socialists see capitalism as uh, a system wrought with contradictions that need to be worked through. And one of the ways to work through it is trade unions, but it's not as if, um, it is not as if trade unions just like qua trade unions are, um, socialists in any particular way. Well, yeah. And it's, it's not as though trade, any trade union has actually like, you know, led a successful revolution or, you know, anything of that, you know, kind of anarcho syndicalist bent and actually know? they often play a very conservative role right um, because and that's one of the things about today that makes it such an interesting political question is that not only are unions kind of starting to um kind of come uh strike back against uh their relation with capital but they're also very conservative while they're doing it like a lot of unions were trump supporters a lot of unions just full sale went trump like, it makes it a very interesting political question is how do conservative unions or a conservative union membership and socialist party organizers mesh? Like, Well, and I would say, like, in terms of the overall question that you posed, Sam, about, like, you know, how do we relate specific to right now? You know, I think the most important thing is. And it's a question, right? But it's, you know, is what's going on now representative of an actual elevation in class consciousness at all. And the reason that I say that is because, I mean, I it really just been, I've been thinking, I've thought this for years, but I've really been feeling it lately that like the biggest obstacle in our way is not, you know, it's not the fascists. It's not even the capitalists, you know, it's the fact that the working class doesn't give a shit. You know, they don't, they don't care about what we're selling. You know, mm-hmm. they don't want to hear mm-hmm. it. They're not looking for it. Like it's just, it's not, appealing for whatever reason, you know, but, and a big part of that, I think is a lack of class consciousness, you know, and that's something that's been lost over the last hundred years. And does this represent a shift in that, you know, because while unions aren't going to get us where we need to go, it would be great if something could make people realize like we are a class, we have interests as a class. I would definitely say that like there is a, uh, serious lack of class consciousness among union workers Which reflected in how they voted. But like, and I, and I don't think quite right now that we're seeing like an actual elevation in class consciousness. Like I think we're just seeing a lot of workers who are pressed to the brink and are like, this is how, this is, this is a tool we've got. And that's something we've got to go with. And we might as well, cause why not? And we're going to protect what we have rather than exactly. And in terms of like, developing class consciousness or comparing modern workers consciousness with where it was way back when we really it it has come a long way down and we have no one to blame but ourselves frankly like we we can say that the workers aren't interested in socialism or that they just don't give a shit about revolution and why would that be like we are not interacting with them either directly enough or forcefully enough. Yeah, don't mistake me. I'm not. I didn't mean to blame them for that. That wasn't. That wasn't sure. what I was saying at all. It's. A, it's a challenge of ours to overcome that for sure. That's yeah. not. I'm not calling them stupid or it's saying it's their fault. Like they, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's basically about advancing to where they have to take us seriously, right? right? Like yeah. whether you um 
you know, think the Democratic or Republican parties are good or bad things, you have to think something about them, mm-hmm. right? No one has to think anything about us. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're not in that position. And so, you know, you have um, this situation where, um, uh, you know, nobody has to fear, respect, or think um, much of anything about you. Um, and, you know, I've tried to have these conversations with, you know, just regular people I know and um it's like I'm you know I know it's like I'm speaking Russian to them they uh a lot of times it's like it sounds good you know it uh that that's interesting right on an abstract level um I would like it if you were right um yeah I get that a lot you know you can even have complete full agreement but the question you know we deal with this kind of um issue every day and we come up with um a limited amount of answers for the way forward. Um, somebody who has all other kinds of um, eclectic interests um, is probably uh, not going to come up with the solution with you. Um, so I think that like the relationship of labor to socialists now is, um, you know, one of maybe a bit of humility on our part. Um, there are a lot of things I've met an NNU organizer who worked with DSA for a little bit and she was very, very, very good organizer. Um, and there's a lot I learned from her and, um, you know, she has a very strange set of politics, but, um, that like, you know, whether we agreed on this or that tenant wasn't, um, it's not concretely relevant, right? Like that's not going to make the difference in um, any of the material things happening happening in our lives. Um, so I just think that until we can actually advance the political question, the central question of the conquest of political power by the proletariat for the transformation of all of society, until that becomes even like, you know, I don't know, like a one in 100 chance, right? Where somebody <laughs> can just say like, you know, like I'm going to take that long bet on you, but it is a bet. It's a real yeah. thing. Yep. Um, then I think, um, you know, not coming off as you religious zealots with the way. Um, oh, yeah, is, we, yeah, you can't do that. Right. Can't do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, what, I can't. What, even... what evidence is there that we do? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I've, I've always balked at that pretension among certain groups to have like that, like leading light Marxism or some bullshit like that. Like, I was like, what is that one issue that you have gained credibility on that anyone would say, like, yeah, you are a viable alternative on us. Like, you're credible on going out into the woods and waging people's war, but that doesn't do anybody any help. Yeah, and I think that, like, it's, I mean, it's a question of legitimacy, right? Like, we, um, leadership is earned, it's not given, um, and the... Like when we say that the Socialist Party should lead the labor movement, what we mean is that it should earn respectability within the labor movement and then be essentially chosen to lead. Um, you've won people over to your program. You've won people over to your point of view. Um, and they think that what you are doing is um, possible, necessary and good. Um, and so you've now taken up this leadership role. And that's something that's um you know, that the most successful examples we have um, have done that. Um, you know, the SPD in Germany, the party was always considered um, more important than the trade unions. Um, and that was one of the things that uh, 
it was important to advance that project politically. Um, and it was the trade unions that were actually the right wing of the party. Um, so it's going to be a long way up. Um, but like the, we need to be thinking in the, you know, very first baby steps, um, nothing particularly grandiose or, uh, um, idealist in that way. Yeah. I was just thinking like how, I had just said, like, a lot of these unions had gone uh, for Trump during the election. And, like, that might sound like that a lot of unions are just, like, politically conservative. But I think, like, I think Trump was just the go-to for anyone who was politically unidentified and also very pissed off. And I think that really describes the labor movement today. Like, I think there's a lot more people who are really politically without a mooring then there are people who actually buy into the sort of platform that they voted for in the last election. Well, yeah, and he was promising economic protectionism, which is exactly. you know, historically a popular thing among domestic unionized workers. Like that's a, and it's that's not a for no reason. normal thing for them to vote for in a lot of ways. Also, like, let's not forget that, you know, uh, the Democrats for the last at least 30 or 40 years have basically said to organized labor, um, you know, congratulations, you only have us. Give so, us the money. Yeah. Give us the money. Yeah, exactly. And uh, support our candidates. Really much of an exchange. Right. Um, and Hillary Clinton was an exceptional example of that. Um, <laughs> you know, she basically didn't give a single a fuck. Shit at all. Um, and but they how, who else are they going to come out for? Right. Mm-hmm. Are you going to come out for Donald Trump? Um, and like. uh who knows if Hillary Clinton was president, what kind of like uh, union disciplining would be going on for the unions that did go for Trump or did go for Bernie? Um, all of the New Hampshire SEIU unions went for Bernie. Um, so it's uh, a good point. It's not particularly clear to me when a local endorses a candidate, how that um, right now especially reflects their own politics, um, whether they are liberal or conservative um, or ripe for socialism or not. Um, it's just obscure. It's not clear. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> as the conversation progresses, I mean, it sucks because you try to look for these bright spots, but it really sounds like how do we relate to these unions? Well, we kind of don't, right? I mean, there's not, there's not really, I mean, because... What we're seeing here is that this may be positive in some ways, but isn't a great advance for labor and doesn't really, at least right now, represent a big leap in class consciousness. You know, there there isn't really a political side to it. Part of that is our fault because we're not there to provide it, but we're not there to provide it. And and it it doesn't it just it does just doesn't seem to me that there's a way for us to directly relate to this that builds party. I think we've talked before on the show about how people have shown up to these strikes, you know, saying, yeah, we're socialists, so you should Oh, yes, should I've be with unfortunately a, you know. been a part of that before. Okay. Yes, yes. Don't do that, everyone. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but what what else are you supposed to do if you feel, yeah. you know, like we're saying like we're not we, we're not engaging. So that seems like a logical thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't think it sounds like not for me personally, but what else do you do? How do you like go talk to these people? Like, do we just say like, <laughs> well, well I, we that just reminds me of something know? kind of comical, though, because there was somebody <laughs> I hate to say it, but I'm pretty sure it was in our own party in some online discussion many months ago about the West Virginia strikes and like the 
<laughs> I remember that the um the teachers at at one point had asked like a big DSA contingent or something to kind of stand down and not um be a big part of it because they they just weren't into the they didn't want to make socialism like a part of it or something like that. And I think for the most part, I think the DSAers were complying with this, mm-hmm. you know, which I thought was the right thing to do, you know, because it's their fucking strike. Right. And but no, I mean, the argument that was made by this person who I truly, in all honesty, do not remember who this was. But this definitely happened where they were like, fuck that. We're the socialists. Right. We are the working class. This is our territory. And I'm like, what a, it's their strike. They're the workers. Like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, right. They're the ones who are putting their jobs on the line, their livelihoods. Um, who you are know. you? Right. You know, I mean, like, um, that's the problem with that. Right. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it like, it's, it's a question of time, right? Like, um, we, when I say baby steps, like, you know, it means that this is like a long process of developing um, relationships, taking part in like real things that actually help people. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the West Virginia teacher strike, right. What did the teachers want to show up? They wanted the families of the community to show up. Mm -hmm. They wanted to show that this had popular public support as do all strikes. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't, they don't it's not maybe they think it's harmless that some 20 year old anarchist shows up and you know is waving a sign around but it's not the it's not the difference maker in the strike it's not um going to decide who wins or not um and for us um i mean i know for me at least you know i'm i'm only 27 right i have um uh another I would say a decade of this to go before I can like really feel like I'll have um, my ducks in a row as far as being like a socialist organizer. And I want to take, um, you know, real pragmatic lessons from people who do labor organizing um, and hopefully be able to assist them uh, materially um, as a party and one day provide political representation um, when they're not only done with um, being represented by uh, people who are like actively harming their interests, but also see us as an actual alternative, something that is uh, legitimately viable um, and something that could grow, uh, which is is just not where we're at. So it's I think um, I think it's just more behind the scenes kind of work. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I like what you said just there because I think you did kind of state a starting point at least, which is it's the same starting point as everything else, you know, that that we've ever discussed as the a party. beginning. <laughs> yeah, which is which is really just that before we can provide anything to anyone, which gains us credibility and trust and some sort of regard in the community and in society mm. that mm. we live in, you know, we have to be large enough to be able to actually do any of those things, mm-hmm. you know, but. You know, what you said there in terms of how we relate is let's do that growth. Right. And then so we can't do anything in 2019 no. with these unions, if assuming that there are more strikes. But, you know, in a, if in three or four years from now, perhaps, though, if there's another wave of strikes, particularly, I mean, New Hampshire's kind of an unlikely place for it to be because there's such low union penetration here. Mm-hmm. But it, it, there could be strikes. There could be nurses strikes. There could always be teacher strikes. There mm-hmm. could I mean, mm-hmm. it, any of these things are possible. Um, I. I would love to see it. I find it hard to imagine here, but uh, it would be cool. Um, but maybe if if we continue our own growth, in other words, get our house in order, when that time comes, you know, perhaps we could offer something. Perhaps we could at least bring them coffee and pizza. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. just just mm-hmm. some some token of support that's beyond just 
carrying our signs and handing out our flyers and whatnot. Yeah. But being like, yo. We support you. We're the socialists, you know. We're asking um, for nothing in return. Right. Yeah. We right. support your strike. Right. Exactly. And I think Sam's point is uh, probably the most important is that a lot of the relationship building with unions isn't behind the scenes. Like if we're, the only thing we do to interact with them is just going to their rallies and stuff, they'll very reasonably just think that we're hogging their attention, that we're pulling attention to our party away from their cause. And they have every right to think that if that is the only time that we're ever interacting with unions, we're not going to their meetings, we're not trying to develop relations and actually like converse with people under a normal context about what's going on in a union, not just in the context of a, a rally or a strike or something, but a moment where an actual conversation can be had about like what's in your union's interest and how can our party provide any sort of thing towards that. Even before that level, I think that you're right on the money saying like we have to be able to have normal conversations with normal people in normal contexts. And I think that we're again, like we're coming back to the same two things we always come back to that (laughs) our party has to grow before we can do anything. And we need to be having normal conversations with normal people who are not already in our party. And I think like something like the farmer's market thing that we already do is a really good example. Got to get that in here again. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Every pro- time. <laughs> you probably haven't heard it from me, um, but, you know, so that's different. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that uh, one of the key things that I found out talking to non-socialists is that um, actually caring what they say um or caring what it is they say and um, validating that their own thoughts are important about their lives, right? Um, Imagine. Uh, right, I know. <laughs> um, basic human empathy. But yeah. also, you know, like, you don't have to put on kids' gloves, right? That's another form of being patronizing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, challenge them on what they think. Um, ask them why they think that. Uh, you know, part of, um, part of, like, being a socialist and, you know, taking up... Uh, taking up like this idea of scientific socialism, right. Is we are trying to explain the material world around us, um, and come up with an objective way for, um, society to advance. Um, so I think that though, like our ideas might be correct, right? Like they may be verifiable. Um, and we can only do that through actually acting it out. Um, uh, but you know we should be able to to demonstrate that through um through these conversations um with you know regular people as we call them. Yep, I think that makes a lot of sense. What you doing, Mate? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I was just, uh, nothing to disagree with there. I was just wondering if anyone's going to pick it up there. But yeah, no, no, no we I mean, can like just the... hear sounds. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm between tasks. Just one second. Are you safe? Yes. <laughs> Mate, safe. did the Trotskyists get you? All <laughs> oh, right. But yeah, the idea, like, like, with uh, connection building, is like we. I think there's a lot of people on the left who really think that you can just protest hop your way into productive relationships with people. And I think I may have even been one of those people at one point. Uh, yeah, but I like, think we all get 
we all passed through that. Most of us. Anyways, yeah, with I with guess. any luck. Yeah. But like, I, uh, I, I would like socialist parties to be just expanding the ways in which in unions can be interacted with that really have more in common with like the sort of happy hours that we are doing with our party and our ways of out doing outreach with people not having to do with uh, unions or anything, but just as a way of reaching out to people in a normal context, yet tailoring it towards a union audience, like trying to find a way to bring people who are bring union people into a, uh, into some kind of forum. Like it's, it shouldn't be an impossible task and it's not as if these people are the most difficult to reach but, I mean, like, it does take a little bit of effort in trying to, like, meet people who are union-affiliated. And it's not always, like, it's not like they wear a sign on their uh, on their head or something. And it's not as if it doesn't always require just, it's, it's not as if it doesn't necessarily require getting a union job and actually working with these people. So, like, there's... Uh, there's there's a lot of ways to interact with union people. Unfortunately, a lot of them are really strenuous when it comes to a, a a group like ours that's as small as it is, that's as spread out as it is, and as as sparsely resourced as it is. But uh, uh, I, I would just say to socialists generally, just like get creative when it comes to trying to break outside the. Uh, the the circle of socialists we like to just trap ourselves inside like we uh, we would benefit <laughs> from some more bank? creative uh, <laughs> approaches is there beeping yeah yes. there beeping? yeah i'm trying to get to my seatbelt on <laughs> <laughs> there we this go is a perfect audio recording environment it's be a great episode <laughs> but uh yeah, uh, just to to tack on to what was previously being said, I think a diversity of tactics, the way we've tried to employ just with reaching out to people normally, should definitely be explored with um, trying to develop relations with unions. Because, like, there's too much reliance on just, like, incidentally running into people at rallies and hoping that we'll have that in- inciting conversation. It's not going to happen. Like, no, and, and the thing with the rallies is that you see the same people every time. Like it's, exactly, it's it, it's not like the broader population that's ever attending these things, you know. And even if it is, it's you know like um, these are conversations and people that often um, you're not going to follow up on, um, right. and they they won't. They're active for different reasons than you. And I'd like to push back, Mate, a little bit about like. I really don't like this phrase diversity of tactics. Um, it's sort of a, it's a way of like um, not trying to compare tactics and finding out which ones work and which ones don't. Um, so everybody can just kind of do whatever they want. Um, and uh, we're uh, and, you know, no harm, no foul. Um, I think that like, you know, we're we should not be trying to look for like that one like secret trick that will finally, you know, get those a hundred people to become socialists. Um, it turns out that I think a lot of people, I mean, people, if there was a secret trick that got us a hundred socialists, I would, would use we should it, pursue but, it. Yeah. Right. But it's, uh, 
but like I'm sure everybody on um on this podcast knows people who in the future, if political circumstances were to change, could become socialists. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I have yep. people who come to my mind who are never going to join the party right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not in a million years. But if political circumstances were to change, um they they could. And mm-hmm. like um my brother, for instance. Mm-hmm. My brother too. Um, Exactly. My brother, um, maybe and, even my brother. Right, <laughs> <laughs> all of our brothers. Be, <laughs> they can join the family. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's you know this is it's a long haul. Um, these like um, these kinds of conversations that we're having, whether it be with union members or family members or church members, um, are not going to bear fruit for ten or fifteen years. Um, but that's. Um, you know, we're fighting for humanity for eternity, not 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 for uh, tomorrow. I think it's a real discipline to think about it that way yeah. too. You yeah. know, yeah, because um, it's it's hard to be because we want it now. Yeah, you know, yeah, and we want to justify ourselves like what we're doing in right. this time mm-hmm. that we're spending, and we're looking right. for like you know, uh, you know, and to use a capitalist phrase, we're looking for that return on the investment. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and mm-hmm. it's tough to say like, all right, well, these are. These are 15, 20 year bonds, you know? Right. Yeah. It's easier. To, it, it feels more of a thrill to day trade, right? Yeah. To, yeah. To, Go to, to get the those protest. nice dividends. Let's see yeah. Let's see if we get the big score. Right. You know? How yeah. many names on our list? Yeah. 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 Get that little dopamine yeah. rush, you know? How big is our email list going to be now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I'm trying to be more conscientious about like the kinds of effort I put in and whether those, whether that effort um, actually will, uh, will bear fruit. Um, and because, you know, we all work and um, not like my work's not very conducive for talking about politics. It's a very small company. No. Yeah. Um, the children and... aren't really into it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, ten years. Exactly. Ten years, right? Yeah, that's a perfect example, right? You can just let's just talk to all the babies we can find about <laughs> socialism, and in eighteen years, that you know, it'll be an army. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. Oh, sorry, it's fine. I've... Well, and that's a that's a tricky thing too that I found um, because you know I also work at a tech company, and it's like you know, I mean, I I do I kind of work in a room with a bunch of people, you know, all of whom are being economically exploited, you know, but all of whom could get fired from that job and get another job in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. you know, because they're skilled and it's a, you know, they they have marketable skills and it's a professional environment, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, they're not as insecure, um, sure. you know, and, and likely to, you know, kind of feel that need to like unite against management. Yeah, I mean, the only example I can think of for uh, specifically like software engineers is video games. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. where a lot yep. of the union totally. organizing has come out of um, because a lot of kids want to become programmers to program video games. Super competitive place to be, work 80 hours a week, yeah, right, 80, 100 right. hours a week, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's where that union organizing That makes a around, lot of sense. Right. Totally. But like, yep. you know, I mean, I'm in your tech, typical, right? Uh, your typical software engineer. Company, you know, like. Yeah. Um, and they know that it's part of the deal, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's flexibility on your end as a software engineer because you can, you know, you have these skills. Um, and then if things don't work out, no harm, no foul. Right. People just move on. Yep. Um, 
So that's actually an interesting point about like how one deals with skilled workers, right? Right. Um, are they uh, are they Mao's labor aristocracy? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Are they? Um, are they you know truly exploited? Mm-hmm. Um, even though I think it, ex- being exploited is a, a description, not a like a, a morality. Judgment. Yeah. Right. No. Right. Um, yes. It's a it's a description. Right. They're yeah. not. They're not reaping the full benefits of their labor correct you know if that's exploitation you know (laughs) exactly um so i mean it's hard to tell right so uh we want to think that those that are most um those that are most uh most exploited i guess or exploited in an extreme way um would be the most radical um but actually from all the things I can tell, it tends to be if like software engineers tomorrow, if there was a huge like economic catastrophe that like ruined that market, mm-hmm. those engineers would be the most radical. I agree. Yeah, um, I do agree. Yeah. Because something has been taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when nobody has the expectation that things are going to get better, um, they generally are pretty can be pretty conservative. Um, but people who lose something are pretty fucking mad about it. Right. Yeah, um, no doubt. So. Uh, here's hoping. I mean, it's not good for my job prospects, but <laughs> right, 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 right. But it it may it may advance uh, what we're trying to do here, right? Um, and maybe there'll be enough um people out there who you know have a socialist in mind and said, "Hey, I remember that conversation I had. You know, this thing happened to me. Maybe I should talk to them." Yeah. Um, that's why I mean that is the one thing that yeah. I, I mean I am the office communist. You know, I mean, they, know this gets that. brought up from time to time. You know, I mean, like you had that, Che as your profile picture, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most people didn't know what that was, but for like four <laughs> years, yeah, I had the first four years I worked at this company, I had Che as the profile picture, um, and I I've always just sort of talked about it kind of openly, um, and. Yeah, I mean, you know, have I won anybody? Well, well, I guess we we did get one or two of my coworkers to join. Um, Kara, right? Cat or Cat? Yep, she's not active. Cat, if you're listening, we miss you. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you know, for the most part, though, it's not like you know, I was like the the place would gather around me and right. be like, you know, to hear the tales of yeah. what we Wait, could that, do that as did a working happen? class. No, it didn't. Oh. <laughs> no. I'm saying it's not like that, yeah. happens, you know, but at the same time, like everyone knows like, oh yeah, yeah. Chris is the communist. Right. And uh, yeah, I th- I think that um, it's just about playing your cards right, planting the right seeds mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and taking this very slow growth mentality, um, not overextending ourselves. We're in a, period of political reaction um and um in my view uh beginning like a phase of regression um where all of the hopes and aspirations of the so-called left will come to naught and they will be um either disappointed um to the point of inaction or uh or just a hundred percent liquidation into the democratic party well what do you what do you um i'm curious about this what do you think that this you're not you're not i assume you're not talking about like actual like we're we're heading towards fascism or are no. you saying like the capitalist co-option of certain so, elements of social democracy that will placate people and so i think that like all right so let's just say trump wins again yeah right um i don't think most people on the left can handle that oh yeah no no they'll just have strokes um, and so <laughs> i don't think that the political reaction to trump will go away i do think that the those that are trying to take up the history of socialist politics might lose steam right they might not be able to keep it up um 
if like somebody like Sanders wins or even like Kamal Harris or all these other, you know, progressive E types, um, I think it'll just be a complete liquidation, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're um those the good guys it'll be like when Obama won. Right. If the good guys won, right. we can all go home. Right. Everybody yeah. go home. Um and I don't you know, I don't think that like the those that are trying to make their careers out of being socialists will disappear. Um, they'll <laughs> they stick <can't>. around. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, the large uh, swaths of people who um, are suddenly kind of interested in socialism are socialist adjacent. Um, they will feel like they've won and gone home. Um, yeah. And we will find out very quickly that, you know, there was a lot of bills we weren't paying for and, you know, space that we uh, were using that, um, you know, is no longer really available anymore. Yeah. Um, all of that big progressive money is going to, you know, dry up um, because mm, they don't I think want. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, we're going to be entering a point where, where you know, f- since I've been involved in the left, you know, after the Trump election, right, there's been a big boom of interest in socialism um, that will wane. Um, and- yeah, Christ, you're right though. The, those are two bad options, really. Trump wins again, and we just deal with the hysteria, right? Um, and the rest of us just kind of have to sit there and watch it, you know, or alternatively, like the good guys win mm-hmm. and everyone thinks that things are, we look, progress is real. Everyone, the moral arc of the universe mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. where here right. we go. MLK Ta- was right. Let's go know? home. We have you know? Sanders. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. no, that's true. I mean, well, what do you I think in the I midst totally of all that? With that but, uh, What's that? I like, I don't know if I totally agree that like, if like, if the Democrats are somehow able to like, reclaim the presidency like i really don't think that that's going to deflate the interest in socialism like i really i think that the democrats have raised the bar higher than they can hope to achieve like even if they win like they still have to provide like they like they still have to provide some kind of answer to the progressive elements of the democratic party uh they still have to provide some answers to the reagan democrats that left the party for trump and they've just raised the expectations beyond what they could reasonably provide for people just because of how cartoonish they've made Trump look. And just by corner making their one hill to die on just opposition to Trump and not like an actual series of policies to deal with the, you know, the systemic shittiness of capitalism that made Trump a reality, like... I, I honestly think that once the Democrats are able to kind of co- like once they're able to actually regain some kind of victory as an example, the presidency, the future is theirs to lose. Like I only expect them to get a lot of people's trust only to very rapidly lose it. Wasn't well, it conceivable though that like if uh, let's say let's say especially if they make gains coupled with an- another economic downturn, I mean, it's not inconceivable that they could pass some sort of you know social safety net legislation that is, uh, and that's what would really deflate the left. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that's impossible. I really don't. Like, I sometimes you hear people make the argument that like the capitalists can't afford that anymore. And I don't know why they think that. Of course they can. Um, there's there's a lot of loot to go around right now. and um, Especially in the good old US of A. Yeah, especially here. And people don't want to get rid of it. But that anytime there's been like a, a social democratic or some sort of welfare state program passed in this country or any other, there's capitalist resistance to it that is, sure. is incomplete. Like the, the thing passes anyway, you know? And it's one of those like, it's one of those times where it's like the state is um, 
like giving some of the more reluctant capitalist medicine for their own good because it is for their own good because it 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 placates those who might actually be able to overthrow them at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you like... have to deal with unemployment somehow, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um... or as we have today, like just like <laughs> extreme dramatic underemployment or underpayment, you know? Because like we have low unemployment levels, you know. It's just everybody's got shitty jobs, right. multiple jobs. And and I would say, Mate, that like you know, it's more of a question of like how this relates to socialism as we understand it, not how it relates to socialism as, um, you know. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez understands <laughs> right. it, right? Yeah, so exactly. her Which socialism might have cachet, right? Like, I'm not saying that disappears, um, but that's just another example of liquidation that has nothing to do with advancing society. Um, you know, it has nothing to do with the dictatorship of the proletariat. It has nothing to do with political conquest, um, uh, having, uh, you know, a world where, you know, from each according to his ability to each according to his need, um, that is not the world, even if she thinks that's what she's doing. Um, she's just sort of trying to replay. And I really don't. Which I, I do yeah. think a lot of them do think that. You know, some people yeah. on the left tend to be like, you know, even like the whole sheepdog argument or people saying that they're lying and all this stuff. I don't think that they're lying. I think that they're wrong. Right. But they're not all these evil, even like I say this about the Clintons even, you know, they're not just craven liars. If you actually read their story and everything, they came to this conclusion like 30 years ago that actually and truly the best way to make the world the best world it can be is through this kind of neoliberal capitalism. Sure. That's really what they believe. They're crazy wrong, you know, but it's it's a sincere thing. You know, and yes, they they become, you know. They, I have a special loathing for the Clintons. So do but, I. So do I. But, but I give yeah, them that. I sure, give them that. They sure. started off actually believing these things, not because, hey, we can make money. You know, they have made a lot of money through it, but What's... that wasn't really what it was. They actually thought, let's change the world. We'll make it better. Mm -hmm. And this is how you do it. Right. You know, and that's what the progressives today and the social Democrats today are doing. They're not evil. No. You know, um, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's um, I'm not trying to say that they are uh, I know you're bad, right? That. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, I know. Um, and yes, the the sectarian left can be very like brutal about their appraisal of they're um, nice people, right? <laughs> they're they're perfectly nice people. people. <laughs> they're people I'd like to win just to actual socialism. Yeah. Um, but you know, just in terms of like the political future that we're you know running headlong into, um, I I just don't um, I don't see the disappointment being so great um, that the progressives will abandon their own platform for um you know an actual socialist one right oh, or yeah. saying like this is not possible anymore right. if anything they'll redouble their efforts mm -hmm. um and, especially if they win something right mm -hmm. exactly um and who knows but if they you know the worst thing that can happen right is if they win right <laughs> <laughs> but i guess that for us at least it's kind of like you know I don't know, does it actually, I mean, it matters for how we like orient ourselves, but does it actually matter in terms of the possibilities of socialism? I don't think so. I do. I do. 
engage in a lot of thinking though about how much easier it would be to be a social democrat oh lord <laughs> oh it'd be a man, burn. Just, that would be so relaxing just, right now <laughs> i want to feel the burn man you know I that's can't. all you have to do yeah oh my god yeah. that would be so easy and you know there's bernie just announced his candidacy i know you know we're Raised all a shit ton of yeah. money yep we can all Half just go down to an done. office and say hey i want to volunteer for i want to make stuff. the world better yeah right um you know yeah we should be so lucky. And, and that's how I that's how I came to my politics yeah. now. And yeah, so it's like it's very stark for me because it's like people have been like texting me like, are you happy about Bernie? Are you back? Are you back? Coming back? No. I've gone too far. I've gone, too I've gone far. past the line of no return. <laughs> um, you know, but if at I, the same time, it, I mean, people do it sometimes. <laughs> and do you I mean, seriously, though, like, let's just say Bernie wins the primary, right? Um, like, do you not think that these progressive friends that you have, right, Bernie versus Trump, are not going to look at you as like, like the ultimate traitor, right? Oh, like this is yeah. the best thing that ever happened. I'll just, I think that's all. I'll, I'll just cave. I'll You'll vote. just cave and vote yeah. for Bernie. I'll vote. Fuck it. I, yeah. I probably would. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I, don't think I think this is, I think this is like, you know, a moment of honesty for all of us. I mean, likely I would too. My plan, yeah. my plan for the 2020 elections is to just not be in the country. Yeah. Um, right. no, yeah, totally. But, that would be great. Yo, are you, are, is that when you're, that's not your honeymoon. No, right? no, 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 yeah, no, no, okay. no. Um, but, but yeah. We should start planning a trip. All of us. <laughs> no, for sorry. real. Cause you know, I mean, I already went through with the midterms having, you know, um, uh, a friend of mine basically, you know, accused me, <laughs> accused me of being like, you know, a fascist sympathizer for mm -hmm. not voting down the demo line. Um, I can only imagine it'd be one thing Makes if, like, sense. you know, Cory Booker or Kamala Harris was there, I probably could make that move. But Bernie oh, yeah, Sanders, probably not. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, that it, it, that would be the only case, honestly, yeah. where I'd be like, <laughs> all right, it, it's just, and I, you know, I, I, I have legitimately said this yeah. for years now that I believe that, like, how you, even as a socialist in a party or whatever. Like, whether or not you vote or how you vote, I don't really think that that matters. I mean, that's a matter of personal conscience as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's to me with elections, it's are you campaigning? You know, are you advocate? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, are you yeah, actually yeah. persuading? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you show, I mean, I never miss an election. Most of the time I write right. people in all the way down the ballot, you know, but I love voting. It's so much fun. And like, whatever the hell somebody does in that booth, I, I couldn't care less, honestly. Yeah. Well, especially um, in our small towns where voting is no, takes five minutes. Yeah, you know, I waited in line for three hours to vote for Obama, and I wouldn't do that for Bernie. Oh yeah, no, no I, no, I wouldn't either. No, it is very convenient and easy for us. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. Yeah, and, and voting is not like the only political act anyone would ever take, and there's a ton of emphasis put on it where it's not really proper to do so. Oh yeah, but but it is already starting though for me anyway. People like you know oh. How, have you given money to Bernie yet? Aren't you excited? Mm -hmm, yeah. You know, it's already started. 27 bucks. Oh, Lord. Is that how much you gave? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have not done that, for the record. Um, but, yeah. All right. Well, we are just about out of time. I think this was a very rousing discussion that ended very confessionally. Um, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and move on now to our very special guest. I hope you enjoy. We're going to continue the conversation about labor from a slightly different perspective. Thank you all for joining us. Check out our Patreon if you have a chance. That is patreon.com slash S-P-S-N-H. There might be a dash in there. I gotta, I'll put it in the episode notes. Sorry. <laughs> I, for, I forgot my own link here. 
but, you know, if you want to support the work that we're doing, not just with the podcast, but with the Socialist Party of Southern New Hampshire, uh, feel free to throw us a bone there and uh, enjoy the interview. We will see you very soon. everyone we have gregory lucero with us today he is a member of spusa dsa he is the founder of the revolutionary students union in salt lake city utah chicago united uh in chicago of course as well as a teamster attempting to get uh chicago teamsters uh sorry what was it chicago independent teamsters chicago independent teamsters thank you Excellent. Up and off the ground. And so, you know, we wanted to talk to Greg today about specifically uh, labor activism, but generally speaking, someone with as much uh, experience as Greg has in the organizing sphere uh, to kind of get his thoughts on, you know, the state of the left and the uh, prospects, dim though they may seem, uh, of building a socialist party. So, um, Greg, what can you tell us about the Teamsters and and why you kind of have chosen the Teamsters as an avenue and uh, and and kind of set us up, uh, set the audience up with your your thoughts on on kind of labor and and the uh, the con- the control over the economy the Teamsters have and and all that. Okay, well, one thing you have to know about the Teamsters is you have to look at um, the U.S. economy, and uh, it varies per year, but generally speaking, the Teamsters on average primarily through UPS, handle from 5% to 9% of America's GDP. So if you could put a stop to that, um, it would really, really uh, make the U.S. economy uh, stand up and pay attention. That being said, if you go down, uh, if you just Wikipedia, um, uh, the unionization list, um, the number one union, I believe, is... uh, Ask me, um, which is a state, uh, federal, municipal employees. Uh, n- next is SEIU, which includes uh, a whole host of uh, government jobs. Um, the f- first, like, real serious um, private sector union, which um, has been spared uh, the right to work, which Trump's uh, Supreme Court just passed. Um, it's, I believe, the third largest union is the Teamsters. And so uh, the question is, if you're a revolutionary or progressive, uh, what are you going to do? Uh, what uh, work makes sense for you to go into um, to, to kind of to, to mirror that? And God help you, it's the Teamsters. And so I'm going to the Teamsters. Uh, I'm, I've gone in. Uh, there's several people who have joined the Teamsters since. Um, and, uh, basically we're, we're, we're trying to get the Teamsters back to a fighting union, essentially. Um, I'm sorry, I drone on a lot. Um, no, that's what we like. We like that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. It it absolutely does. Yeah. And and one of the things that I, I like about the way that you approach this and, and one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you is, is because you are approaching this with, that kind of, uh, you know, 
it's a strategy-based approach. I mean, you're looking at this and saying, even in a time of fairly dismal union penetration in the workforce, you know, even at a time when the laws are, you know, drastically stacked against unions and and that that you know labor bureaucracy is so conservative and all this stuff that the Teamsters still controls this gigantic sector of the economy and therefore represents you know this really great example of working class power and what the working class could do if it were fully in control that's very optimistic uh i, don't I know it is no i know <laughs> i'm not known for my optimism either <laughs> yeah um i don't share your optimism but i'm certainly glad you have it yeah right um and and so how um now i imagine um that the you know the the average teamster stay like this is this may not be on their radar necessarily is that what you have found uh absolutely not um there are generally three kinds of people four kinds of people in in the teamsters union uh there's the people who need a job they last about mm, six months maybe a year um then there are the uh uh, happy go-to leftists who are going to change the Teamsters. Um, those last uh, about two years, lucky to get three out of them. Um, then there are the uh, the bitter, cynical, longtime Teamsters who know that nothing's going to change and we're idiots for trying to change it. Uh, and then there's us. And mm -hmm. um, we're... I, I would like to say we're approaching this uh, realistically. We're not having unrealistic expectations. Uh, we're 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 building the fight where we can. Um, that that means real basic shop floor actions, enforcing the contract, supervisors working, real basic stuff in an attempt to uh, become a real fighting force in the Teamsters. Just to say. Um, I know of at least, at least five people who have joined the Teamsters because of me. And I know two of those people are already union stewards. Wow. So, that's that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. That's interesting. So, so it's something, it's it's tough, It's but it's something we can do. And the question is, are you going to do it? And mm -hmm. I, I'm not necessarily saying you personally, but if you find someone uh, if someone's listening to this, is interested in uh, revolution, building the, the labor and working class, um, join the team series. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you think, like even, let's say we were to not be optimistic, um, what do you, what do you, what kind of path do you see like forward in a, in a pessimistic or, or maybe realistic way? Okay. Um, are you saying a path forward for me? A path yeah. For the or, or, or what, yeah, both, I guess. What, what do you see doing? Okay. This is, this is my realistic point of view. Uh, this is not what I'm operating under. I, I, my actual views are much more optimistic than this. Um, what I see is uh, me in the Teamsters um, up until uh, the United States uh, falls, um, and I don't mean revolutionarily falls, I mean it, it, there's open fascism, and then uh, me working with a few others 
uh, trying to form the resistance to the inevitable invasion that comes from the, the cops and the military in Chicago and probably dying. Mm, I, I think we could probably hold out six months afterwards, mm-hmm. realistically, if that's mm-hmm. what we're really talking, yeah. um, which is, of course, we're not talking. Uh, because no one, no, no leftists ever want to talk realistically. So what do I say? Oh, this is this is what we're going to do with the Teamsters. Um, the fact of the matter is, what we're doing is we're building a small caucus um, that works within uh, the Teamsters for a Democratic Union, which is a small caucus of the larger uh, Teamster caucus. Uh, we're trying to build shop floor militancy. So that's one. Uh, if, if you join, uh, we, I'll talk to you, someone else will talk to you, and uh, basically what we'll say is keep your head down for the first 40 days because they can fire you for any reason. Once you reach that, you become an active militant, uh, well, I, I hate to use the term because it's so cliche, a tribune of the people. There's plenty of trade union bureaucrats. Uh, we're not interested in those. Mm-hmm. And so what what you do is you 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 stand up for all employees, and that means the employees you don't really enjoy so much. Mm-hmm. Um, in you enforce the contract, and that means you enforce every bit of it. And you'll get people who say, "Hey, why are you enforcing this? This is a pain. This is just in there for whatever reason." And you go, "Look." I know it's in there for just whatever reason. We got to enforce it. This thing is binding. We're living by it, so we're going to make them live by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, if you can, and I, I, I really mean if you can, some people can't because of where they are, um, how much they have developed people around them, or, or how much they don't. Uh, you try and build a revolutionary consciousness. Um, there's a strong emphasis on a trade union consciousness. Hey, that's not in our contract. That violates the contract. We're going to file grievances. That's good. I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to say that is good. That's not good enough. Right. Right. So, so that's what we're trying to do, and uh, we're having pretty pretty good results. I'm pretty proud of the progress we've made in such a short period of time, but it is what it is. Time is short. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, we've got six more years of Trump and, you know, after Trump, we got eight years of a Democrat. And then uh, you'll, you hear so often people, Oh, this fascist Trump, fascist Trump. You heard the same things about George W. Bush. Yep. Uh, you're going to Trump is the start. It is not the end. You're going to get eight years of a Democrat and then, oh, it's all going to be wonderful, uh, you know, rainbows and and bunnies. And then you're going to get a Republican that are going to make people look at Trump the way people look at George W. Bush now. Yeah, he he hugs Ellen and makes paintings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, no accounting for taste. Um, right. <laughs> so that's the thing. Trump is going to win the next election. I I, I firmly believe that. I've said it since he was elected. Um, yeah. I, I think, agree. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to win the next election. Um, 
then we've got uh, we've got a feel good Democrat. And I, I want to be clear, a feel good Democrat doesn't actually do things that make you feel good. Um, they just they just they paper over like Obama. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'll oh take yeah. See, seems nice. <laughs> yeah. Huh. You know, oh, man, isn't it great that we have Obama because we don't have Bush? Well, policy wise, what are the fundamental differences between Obama and Bush? Guess what? You're going to get the same thing, except it's going to be Trumpism. Mm-hmm. And they're, the Democrat is going to put Trump. And then after that, all bets are off. After the eight years of Democrats, people are going to go, oh, man, I, oh, I hate Trump so bad, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't matter. It's going to be a, a Republican after the Democrat. And Trumpism has, will have already been normalized. That will be the status quo. The Republicans will will go even worse. And so basically, I have a time limit. I think 14 years is what I'm trying to do. Um, that's that's why we still have uh, we, a habitable planet. Yeah, a livable planet. We don't have right to work. We don't have a major, major, um, an emphasis there. We don't have major military conflicts with fundamental trading partners. Um, U.S. imperialism is still uh, operant um, in the world, which means that all the stuff that uh, people want gets made elsewhere, gets brought here, gets shipped by UPS. And that's that's part and parcel of the economy, if you'll pardon the pun. Um, But uh, that's what we've got. We've got. A little, a little more than 14 years. Um, that's not even talking about the ecological disaster that is looming, already happening. I don't know how you want to characterize it, um, yeah. but yeah, th- basically this is it. Um, you know, not to put too uh, too negative or weighty uh, of uh, a view on it. Um, I think this is it, and I think there's a convincing argument that this is it, and uh, I don't think we're going to win, but you know what? It doesn't matter. You still fight for it anyway. Yeah, you still fight for anyway, sure. yeah. And, and the reality is, too, I mean, uh, to, to maybe go the flip side, in the past, there have been times, unlikely as it may seem now, where 14 years, a lot of shit happens, you know, and uh, the situation changes. I certainly hope so. Me too. Um, I don't really think it is, but I hope so. Yeah. It could. It can. It, it probably will, um, but it won't change for the uh, Batman. Yeah, for, yeah in, the, in the direction that we're in. <laughs> it's kind of like the old Batman quote. Like, things were always going to get worse before they get better. And I think the, the people who are um, in the socialist movement who are trying to organize a mass party are cognizant of that. And... Uh, I wouldn't be I'd be surprised if uh, if people generally aren't just kind of worn down by the rather pessimistic reality that we have to contend with. But like you said, Greg, you fight anyway. Or what else are you going to do? You can always lay down and die. Mm-hmm. You could. <laughs> it's always, always an option. <laughs> so there's one question that I've had that just has baffled me in the entire time that I was both at UPS and that I've known that you're at UPS and also um, organizing quite actively. 
And that has to do with just the balance because like the UPS schedule, if you're loading the trucks, you're up at three in the morning and you're getting out at eight in the morning and you, it's overwhelming work. Like these days, like packages are enormous. You're uh, loading more of them than ever before. And when you get out of work, you're pretty beat. That was my experience. I would kind of come out of the warehouse, go home and sometimes even be like too exhausted to actually fall asleep. I would just kind of be lying there dead. So what I want to know is how have you managed to balance your organizing with your work, just like keeping up your energy so you can actually be productive? I haven't. I, I, I don't know what you're asking. No, what you experienced at UPS is exactly what I experienced at UPS. Um, and there's no secret. There's no like yoga unlocking power that I do before I go to UPS. No, it's a terrible job. It wears me down. It makes me tired. It makes me irritable. I don't get enough sleep. Uh, the sleep I have isn't enough. And I, I, I get up and do it again. I mean, I, I, I wish I had a good answer, but yeah. that's the answer. Yeah, no, and I like when I went to uh, to UPS to start working there, like you, I had a very clear like political strategy behind it. Like, so I wanted to uh, develop connections with other workers and agitate issues with them, and uh, hopefully, uh, through informing them politically a little bit, try to. Uh, parlay that into influencing them as Teamsters and influencing other union members and union tactics. It wore me out hardcore to the point that, like, I really couldn't keep going with the job. But, like, would you recommend it in general to people? Like, would you say, like, yeah, you activists should be pursuing this way of contacting and developing relationships with union workers? Uh, or would you recommend a, a different way of accessing those people like is is the amount of energy you have to spend to have regular contact with these people and the results they get is is it worth it to you to say to other organizers do this with me so that's a hard question um and the reason it's a hard question is because uh activists um activists activism is a hobby um i'm not interested in activism uh, some activists are good. Some activists are bad. I, I don't I don't really care about them. Uh, what I'm interested in, in in just to be blunt with you and the folks listening is I'm interested in revolution. And that's, uh, you know, if you if you look at any revolution that's ever happened, even the bourgeois revolutions of, you know, uh, the U.S. and whatever, um, mm -hmm. they're not they're not fun times. And uh, I don't I don't have any inclination to tell anyone they're going to be fun times and I don't act like they're going to be fun times. And, uh, you know, as I sacrifice uh, my health, my sleep, uh, my relationships, um, you know what? I, I say that's the cost. Mm -hmm. And if you say to people, hey, this is the cost, um, are you willing to pay it? Now, you'll you'll get a few people who are interested. And, you know, we had uh, I, I won't say his name, but, you know, he, he was he was big old Bernie socialist. He was going to totally change it. And he worked out a lot and he was going to he, he was going to get through it, man. And 
blah, 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 didn't make his 40 days. Wow. Well, and I, you know, I'm, part of me is bitter, right? And, and like, oh, I didn't even make his 40 days. Part of me is like, well, of course not. Yeah. Um, how, how many of these quote unquote activists uh, get into stuff and, and no offense if it does offend you. And uh, they're like, this really sucks. Like, I'm really exploited by capitalism. I'm, I want my NGO job back or something else mm-hmm. because I'm really being exploited by capitalism. Did you know they really exploit you under capitalism? <laughs> you know, I mean, and yeah, okay, you're exploited. You work a job. You know, I, 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 I taught ethics for a while. You know, I yeah, I'm exploited under capitalism. They're getting more than I'm. They're getting more out of me than I'm getting out of them. Yeah, that's fine. And let me tell you, after the twentieth paper where they just fundamentally failed to understand Kant's categorical imperative, I'm like, come on, guys. You know, and it's frustrating. But let me tell you, it is not as brutal grinding as as UPS is, mm-hmm. and day in day out. Is it's 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 just a grind. It's just brutal, and you know, uh, people often say. I've often hear heard intellectuals. I'm sure you've heard intellectuals. Oh well, there are no real proletarians in the first world, you know, because all the proletarian tasks move elsewhere. And and no, co-working yeah, UPS. Like, if you yeah, like Sorry. there's a whole section of uh, people who seem to believe that the conditions of working people have improved like so drastically across the board that there isn't like toil and there isn't like those really crappy warehouse or factory conditions but like there are and like oh they're they're all over the place yeah that bodily risk that harm of like getting sick and not being able to work and keep up with your bills and stuff (laughs) is is just as real and just as pressing and i think a lot of people have been have allowed themselves to forget that well, people people don't think about how they get their shit. You know, uh-huh. how, how does how it gets there? Well, yeah. basic a- commodity alienation 101, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'm not I, I'm not I'm getting something, but w- what what is my interaction with it? Me buying it, it shows up. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it, it's the total alienation from it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so can you um, can you tell us a little bit about the other organizations that you did in the past uh, in both Utah and Chicago and like how that's kind of brought you to where you are today? Um, oh, OK. Well, um, yeah. So. Uh, oh, let's see. I think more than 10 years ago, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, yeah, more than 10 years ago, because they just had the revolution. Um, well, let me start a little further back. Uh, I was a 13-year-old, and uh, I was trying to get out of a uh, geography assignment, which is basically like poli-sci for ninth graders. And uh, what I did, unbeknownst to me, is I explained the EU as a giant... Uh, imperialist collective that then imperialized other places long story short i ended up reading uh the communist manifesto and that led immediately to lenin etc etc so i was a marxist leninist by the time i was 14 uh a red kind of cool 
Yeah, well, it, it would be kind of cool if I knew what I was doing. Yeah, nobody um, does when they start off, though. Yeah. You get well, that out of the way as a teenager. Uh, yeah. yeah, my 13-year-old self would be a gulag. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, don't be so hard on yourself. I was, I was a libertarian. <laughs> yeah. That's why we self-criticize, though. That's just a different way of saying be harsh on yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, it's 13, I'm sure... He, he, there's other re-education besides the gulag you could have. Yeah, no doubt. Sure. Yes. <laughs> In any case, so as an 18-year-old, I started at Utah Valley University, which was a hotbed, and I mean this, and I, I mean this as I'm active, actually describing it, and I'm actually describing it accurately. Uh, I went to Utah, Utah Valley University, which at the time was Utah Valley Community College, um, the philosophy department, which I unfortunately was part of, uh, was a hotbed of um, left communist uh, activity. Like they would have readings on Antonio Negri, um, you know, Gita Borg, you know, you name it. And you couldn't go anywhere without getting some left communist bullshit. Well, I was 18. I didn't do a very good job of defending uh, my my position, uh, and so I changed it. And so I tried to do the left communist thing, and I was like, "This is bullshit." And then I I this is somewhat embarrassing, but I read Zizek's Sublime Objective Ideology, and I'm like, "This is it. This explains all the things that I couldn't explain before." And it's clear from that period of Zizek's writing, and I don't mean to say universally, uh, it was Marxism, Leninism, Maoism. So, so I'm 24, I think, and uh, I'm I'm a Marxist, Leninist, Maoist here in Utah. I'm, I'm and I'm serious about it. Like I'm real serious about it. And at the time, uh. The Naxalites insurgency was at a high level in India, and Nepal had just had a revolution, and they were stalled. They hadn't finished the con the uh, congressional uh, constitutional progress, and so it was stalled. And they had just had an election earlier that year where the uh, U uh, UCPN M U the United uh, Communist Party of Nepal, Maoist, had not expect. no one had expected them to do good. And, and they just swept the elections. And so there was a Maoist government. Uh, and I was like, this is the real deal. This is where I need to be. Mm. And so I, I, I did that. I took, uh, I, I got tickets, uh, a really good friend of mine, uh, you know, helped I'll pay for him. He helped go. He, he went with he was a libertarian at the time, but he was interested in it. And he was mm. like, well, maybe we'll see. And uh, we went to India and we went to Aresa. We went to Hyderabad. We went all around India. <coughs> we talked to all sorts of people. We went through the slums, um, visited the Terai region. Um, and then we went to Nepal and, uh, I talked to, I talked to the Nepalis and I was like, all right, 
what's the number one thing that people in the West, i.e. me, can do for you? And they, they said, oh, that's easy. I'm like, well, okay, that's, that's weird. They said, oh, you can stop your country from invading uh, our country and strangling our revolution in its crib. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you can go back, raise the, uh, the flag of revolution, fight imperialism, fight intervention. And I'm like, are you sure you don't want me to stay here digging? Latrice or something? <laughs> you know, because I'm more than willing to, to be here. But they they said, no, they want resistance they want revolution revolution in the imperialist areas uh, alleviates pressure from them so uh i went back to utah and uh we started the revolutionary students union and if you've seen the icon uh it's totally ripped off of the all nepal revolutionary students union it's just you replace uh nepal with utah and it's the same thing oh shit i didn't know that yeah 100 percent and uh, I, I, so I started doing student work. Uh, I started getting students organized. Um, uh, and, then, and then SB 1070 came, uh, which was a, a really racist immigration bill. And it was primarily in Arizona. Um, but Utah being a bunch, well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it G-rated, being a bunch of very conservative people, um, basically t- took the bill and introduced it uh, whole cloth. And so there was a massive immigrant rights struggle um, and, you know, various groups were joining. What, what are we going to do? So then we started United for Peace and Justice. Or no, no, that was United for Social Justice. I'm sorry. Uh, which was our immigrant rights group. We got some of the bill repealed. We've got some of it not passed. There was a lot of stuff that wasn't good because we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, doing immigrant rights. Um, then I uh, got uh, I, I found a job through a, a comrade of mine. Um, uh, I was working IATSE and I actually, for those of you who can see, uh, I got the tattoo. Nice. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I worked there. Uh, I worked doing union struggles. Um, at the, in the meantime, uh, the U.S. stepped up uh, its massive imperialism. There was the war in Iraq still going. Uh, then it began threatening uh, Syria, mm-hmm. uh, the DPRK. And so uh, we started. Uh, uh, what was it? Utah, oh, Utah Anti-Work uh, Commission or Coalition, uh, which wasn't a coalition, but we didn't know. And we, we sure anyway. it was an aspirational name. Yeah. Well, the thing <laughs> is, at the time, uh, there was nothing in Utah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't aspirational because everyone who would there join, was no one to be a coalition with. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 So uh, we had that, that, that kept going. Let's see. So student work, immigrant rights work, union work, um, anti-war work. And then, and then Occupy was whatever it was. And, um, and then, and then uh, 
over the summer, um, the U.S. It, this was years and years. This was like five years ago. Um, we were doing anti-war work. This was when uh, Israel invaded Palestine. Mm-hmm. And here in Utah, or not here in Utah, I'm, I'm in Chicago now, but there in Utah, um, there was someone executed by the police every week for three weeks. Wow. Yeah. It was that year. I, I haven't kept up on statistics. That year, uh, death by police was the number one form of homicide. Wow. wow. Not domestic abuse, not mm. a drug deal gone wrong. You were more likely to be killed by the police than anywhere anywhere anyway else in utah and so um we took our anti-war activists and we started um uh uh, utah against police brutality um that was going um then i i had had enough of utah and i came to chicago and so now i'm trying to get things going in chicago the Teamsters are a, a great, I, I want to be really careful that I'm very honest here. They're a great way to get into revolutionary organizing when you don't have any clue what to do. You don't have any forces on the ground. There's something you can really get into. They are brutal. Um, mm-hmm. Getting into the Teamsters, by and large, means getting into UPS. It is brutal. It sucks. Uh, it, it's terrible. It, it tears on your, it wears on your body. It wears on your soul. Um, so, so go ahead and get a job, fight forever. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, honestly though, you know, difficult as that sounds, I think that that's an important point that I think a lot of people, it answers a question I think a lot of people have, which is what option could I have if there is nothing on the ground, if I don't know what to do? Yeah. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. Uh, if you if you go to school, start a student group. Mm-hmm. Really simple. Um, if you uh, if you don't go to school and you're looking for a job, get a job at UPS. And it sucks, but that will be your job, and that'll also be your work. And your work will be organizing in the union there. Um, I mean, come on. I, I sold two people on joining UPS. Mm-hmm. They're already stewards. Right. So right. it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it is that it, hard. It is, but no, <laughs> I know what you're saying, though. Yeah. Um, but it's a doable task, yeah. Yeah. Well, presumably, we'll see how this all ends up. I, I yeah. mean, I, I want it to be a doable task, and I'm acting like it is. So, yeah. Well, no. you, you're, you're certainly, you know, living out the example, you know, and I mean, people can see this. Maybe so. I, I hope so. I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not, thank you. I'm just not trying to, I'm not trying to mitigate what you're saying, mm-hmm. but also I'm not, it's so really weird. And this is probably going to get me in trouble. <laughs> In the last three weeks, I've been added to three quote unquote revolutionary groups, right? And they're like, we're gonna we're gonna be revolutionaries, we're gonna start the revolution. And I'm like, okay, 
what do you do? Well, we got the Facebook up. We're gonna we're gonna post this and that. And I'm like, okay, so you're on Facebook then. That's what you're doing. Right. Like, no, no, you you don't understand because there's so many people who want to see what we have to say. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I've heard that a lot. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm not I'm not kudos to them on their enthusiasm. You know, I I wish that everyone had their enthusiasm and better. Yeah. Uh, but. You no, know. and in a lot of ways, it's kind of a rite of passage. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen uh, a lot. I, I will say not everyone who um, who engages in that sort of thing stays there. You know, <laughs> um, if by that you mean no one stays there. Right. You are correct. <laughs> yes, it's, it always goes in one direction or the other. Yeah. And usually it goes in one direction, which is this is a waste of time. I'm not doing it. I'm done. Yeah, yeah I'm done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I've seen I've seen a lot of that. Um, so to that point, um, you do belong to, as we mentioned at the beginning, SPUSA and DSA. Uh, what what are your thoughts? Um, and I and I do not expect optimism from you, uh, <laughs> for the record. Yeah, sure. um, what what are what are your thoughts on party building and and having a party and and how that can get closer to a reality in our 14 years that we have. Yeah, I think party building is really good. And uh, you got to always remember, buy taquitos and buy whiskey. Because if you have taquitos and whiskey, it's always a party. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) And that sounds like I'm joking, but I'm not. Because that is right. That's that's good party. Um, Yeah. Oh, oh man. Um, So DSA isn't building a party. Right. Um, right. DSA is a movement, uh, which is really weird because it has all the formal party bullshit or uh, excesses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't function like a party and it doesn't uh, not any party I've ever seen. Um, And that's fine. Um, But. Thinking that building DSA is building a party, it misses the point. DSA is a movement at this point. Uh, I mean, you've got a mass of people, like 55,000 people. It's a lot of people. And you have maybe, I think, I think there's about 10 groups in DSA, Mm -hmm. each of which about three people believe the same thing as the other 10 people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so if, if you're expecting to join DSA to get direction, you're going to be waiting a long time. Right. Um, it, it's, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have the structure. It doesn't, it doesn't even purport to want to have the structure mm-hmm. for that to happen. So it is what it is. I, I view, I work with DSA, do, I am part of the, uh, the labor working group here in Chicago. I go when I can. It is what it is. And well, and I, I, I just have to say on a on a personal note, actually, like as, as someone who's friends with you on Facebook, I actually I find it very admirable the way that you will defend DSA to the you know kind of the typical revolutionary detractors. You know, as a revolutionary yourself, when you're kind of like guys, like stop shitting on the group. Like look at all of these people. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, that's what I say to them because their arguments against DSA are about at that level. Mm -hmm. Um, the real argument, I think, actually uh, is more firmly made uh, against the, the Social Democratic Party of Germany mm -hmm. uh, after World War One, And that argument, I don't I don't have a good argument. Um, I think I think there could be a radical shift in DSA and they could liquidate pretty much all progressive things. Mm -hmm. in it, and they they could totally, totally just become the social democrats in germany in like 1920s which is not super stellar uh but you know that's that's something just between you and me and the internet and mm -hmm. whoever watches this uh but you know when they're like oh dsa blah 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 i'm like come on you know you're you're criticizing dsa because they do whatever right i mean it, it it's a, oh well dsa is wrong because they they held this position first off that person holds that position. I mean, Bernie. Okay, let's let's talk Bernie for a second. Let's talk Bernie for a second. He he supports uh, massive massive military funding. Why? Mm -hmm. He's got the factory in his state. Right. So yeah. what's he supposed to do? He's this progressive liberal guy, and he, what is he? He goes to the the union that is like entire cities exist for, to work at this factory. Everybody's dad and uncle and grandpa is part of this uh, factory union. He's like, you know, I believe we need to curb U.S. imperialism, which means we're not going to fund this project, which means this city is going down. The whole city. The, the whole city. I mean, right. we've seen it in the Midwest yep. all the time since the early 90s. Like, yeah. Should he support uh, uh the second generation F-35 uh, stealth fighter? No. Is he going to anyway? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Am I going to be super mad about it? Well, I, and I'm an abstract, you know, oh, yeah, Bernie's an imperialist running dog, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, like, concretely, why am I going to yell at some high, sc or high school senior, college, barely college graduate, make them feel like they're terrible people? Yep. What what good does that do? Am I giving them an education? No, I'm not giving them an education. What I'm doing is what so much of the left does. I'm making a big scene to hide that I'm not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. And that's that that's a very good way of putting it. No, it, it's it's true. And like, if I if I'm having a real conversation with a a, a social democrat. I mean, let's let's call them what they are, a social Democrat who's pro-Bernie, uh, pro-military, pro, uh, well, uh, they're pro-military, pro-union jobs, but they're against invading uh, places that don't make sense. You know, would you just got to invade North Korea or something? I don't know. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm like, OK, well, we're not I'm not putting on a show for everybody looking. Let's yep. let's talk about these things and how fucking crazy they are mm -hmm. um but you know what when i what what good does that serve to say that online right except it's oh i'm i'm a good guy because i know what's really happening whereas yeah. this stupid social democrat who blah 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 who killed rosa luxembourg it's like jesus come on man yep. uh, yeah yeah 
You can tell me if I'm wrong, but no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I. No, I agree. Um, thoughts on SPUSA? Uh, I. I generally don't. Uh, <laughs> I, what What do you want me to say? I. When when they do something, I'll I'll have some thoughts on it. Yeah. I haven't had any thoughts on them yet. So what are the? Uh... <laughs> but do, do you think that there is any possibility or, or any way that SPUSA could build itself into a real political party? Yeah, sure. There's always a possibility. There's also a possibility Jesus Christ is going to turn in the light and the glory <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. Lighting my candles, baby. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then, and then you'll feel really foolish that you weren't going to mass. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh <laughs> Would I would I say the SP can turn it around? Sure. Uh, would I bet on the SP before I'd bet on Jesus Christ coming back tomorrow? No, I'd bet on Christ. <laughs> Smart money's there. I'm just saying what. No, I yeah. It no, kind I, of falls into the pessimist theme of the of the interview <laughs> that like we'd love to view this through a much more optimistic lens, but. We talk about this a lot on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, it's become a theme. It's come up in conversation. No, not not specific to SPUSA, but to, in, in general. Yeah, well, and I, I just want to say, thanks for asking me, because now all of the SP people are going to watch this and go, what the hell? Why did you say that about us? And so that's always good that I, I love pissing off people and getting flack from people. I'm not, I don't even know why I pissed them off. That, but that's pretty that, much how we uh, avoid charges of shameless self-promotion. It's just to constantly trash our own party. Well, well, and and also though, Greg, th those people they're going to be pissed off with, with you just for coming on a podcast with me anyway. So, <laughs> well, okay, that's <laughs> all right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so that 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 was even they won't even make it this far in the episode to hear you say that. They're just going to be like, oh, fuck Greg. You know what? <laughs> one person is, and that's, that's going to be, they're going to, that one person's going to edit that out, and that's yep. going to be the whole interview. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's how it happened. It does kind of prove the point that you're making, though. <laughs> yeah. Does that mean, okay, if, if he says that, does that mean I get to lead the Christian Socialist Caucus? Because, hey, if I'm saying Christ is returning and he, he's got my money, I'm just I, saying that's a good argument. You've got my vote. Second. Well, notwithstanding, your vote don't mean a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> just to say. Hey, I just want a recall. <laughs> uh, yeah, you want a recall? Thank God for uh, high limits. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, Notice, I mean, here's the thing. You're, you were recalled for saying stuff, some of which was really stupid. You said stupid stuff online. Okay, you know what? That's fine. Okay, they managed to get enough people pissed off, get active, get a vote, get a recall, send the recall votes out, get them back, count them, and yet they still can't fucking get a commission together to do, to do anything. anything. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just 
for those of you who don't know, who are watching this apropos nothing, it's it's bizarre that they they yeah. can recall someone from the NC, uh, and but they can't get a commission together to actually do shit. Yep. And and the thing is, you know what? I'd like to say, oh, the SP, oh, the problem is, oh, the SP's got ideology, blah blah blah, pure ideology. No. <laughs> This is this is how every left group, by and large, I'm not saying wholeheartedly, definitively, but by and large, this is how almost every left group operates. Mm-hmm. It and, is. And you know what? Even worse, this is how even and I, I'm I'm sorry if this offends you. I, it'll offend the two people who still uh, who still are part <laughs> of the SP and still watch this. But this is like how platypus goes. They're like, oh, the left is dead. Oh, the left. Oh, how can the left do this? The left, the left is dead. Oh, no, the left. Okay, wait a second. If the left is dead and it doesn't matter, or this actually matters and people doing messed up stuff actually bothers you, and I just find it. And I'm using platypus as an example. That's every single left group ever, ever. I just think it's funny, and it's it shows the the lack of this primary like over self awareness that leads to functional not self awareness yeah, of platypus that it functions just like all these other groups. But you know. I, I best not say very much more because I'm still on speaking terms with the PSL and I actually like them here in Chicago. So I'll, 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 I'll stop there. Well, if, you know, you seem to be on speaking terms with uh, platypus people too, which, I mean, you know, I don't know. You, you keep a, uh, a, a interesting company. Well, I'm glad somebody thinks so. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Um, why, why would I have, I mean, this is. No, I try to as well. For the record, I'm I'm cool with these people also. It's the question is, okay, do I think PSL is doing what needs to be done for revolution? No, I don't. But you know what? Why does my opinion matter to them? It doesn't. So what do I do? I keep my big mouth fucking shut and let them do what they're gonna do. Because what they do is. There are a lot of good things that they do, and I go, hey, that's good thing, that's good thing, that's good thing, that's good thing. That uh, we'll talk about some other time over beer, but that's a good thing, that's a good thing, and you know, th that's fine. And you know, what? Why? Well, I, I know the answer to this. Why does the, the left, as though there is a left, uh, why do they feel the urge? To, to pass judgment on every single fucking thing that happens on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, the real reason they feel like they got to pass judgment is because if they don't pass judgment and if they don't pick a fight, people will go, why am I listening to you? What do you have done? Mm -hmm. And uh, the simple question you can just ask anybody is, all right, what have you done? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be hostile. Right. Like the second you ask it, it's it's they're up in arms. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. And you know it's like, well, 
do I want to pick a fight with the PSL on who who does more? No. What What's I want to do is yeah, I want Yeah. I want to build the Teamsters. I want to get the Teamsters going. I want to get Chicago going. Although they the PSL is a big reason why Chicago is still going and I all credit to them. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't realize do they have a large presence in Chicago? Um, for left groups, they do. Mm. So if, if I was, if I was any other person who wasn't inculcated into the left, I would say the PSL is tiny. Like, yeah, sure. I've seen 20 people. Right. Because I'm steeped in this revolutionary bullshit. I'm like, oh, they got 20 people. Yeah, 20 dedicated people by our, our standards is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it we 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 lose to Pornhub every hour. <laughs> well, in fairness, I think everybody loses to Pornhub every hour. <laughs> it's like I, one I, third of all internet traffic. <laughs> well, maybe so, but I mean, come on. If no, it, I'm with you though. <laughs> if it, we're dealing with people who 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 are willing to talk, I'm willing to throw my life away and could charge the barricades and it's like okay you're willing to charge the barricades what you're not willing to do is spend two hours a week passing out fucking flyers right like, yeah what, what's the deal well in the reason is it's it's pretense they they want to pretend they're more left than whoever and you know what i say to them ups is hiring you want to <laughs> you want to be a big badass revolutionary hey it's union UPS is hiring, and uh, I, I find they don't usually take me up on that. I'm a little sad. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super shocked. Um, but th- that's actually a good note for us to wrap up because we are uh, just about out of our time. But Greg, I just I want to say thank you. You are as always challenging and also a breath of fresh air. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for having me on uh, your podcast. Anytime, we'll have you back sometime. Thank you. You too. Take care.